I once served at a church where they sang the Nicene Creed, the statement of faith that the early church wrote to declare about what they believed to God. And one of my favorite aspects of that particular musical arrangement was this slightly extended pause between the parts about Jesus' birth and then his death and, cruci- death and resurrection. The creed goes like this, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary and was made man. And then there's a beat, a pause, and was crucified also for us. It's a pregnant pause, no pun intended, this pause between Christmas and Easter, between birth and death and resurrection. Not even a full second in the music, and soon enough we carry straight through to Jesus' work on the cross, as we should. But for a moment, a resting heartbeat, we're invited to pause and consider just the incarnation, incarnate, carne, like carne asada, enfleshment, God becoming human, and all that's contained in that gift of divine love. Our scripture lessons today are going to be familiar to many of us. They tell this arc of the fall of humanity to the restoration that God offers in Jesus. We've got the shepherds and angels that we recognize from countless pageants and creches, the Isaiah reading from Handel's Messiah. But as we pause to look ahead to Jesus' birth, I want us to focus on a theme that echoes particularly in two of the passages we heard, Isaiah 9 and Luke 2. It's this, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, that's Isaiah, and unto you is born this day a Savior, that's Luke. To us is born us is given. Unto you this day is born. Well, that's not how we talk about most births. The biblical phrasing sounds a little archaic in modern conversation to begin with, but I suppose you might say that a child was born to this woman or to this couple. Unto them a child was given, if you're feeling fancy. Unto these parents is born a baby. And the Bible has that too. Isaiah 7, a few chapters back, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Our reading from Luke makes a lot of the fact that this is Mary's baby. But the emphasis of our reading is that Mary's baby is going to be born unto us. The announcement of this birth to the shepherds and to us is in effect, hey, congratulations, you've had a baby. And the shepherds hurry to find this baby that's been born unto them and to tell Mary what the angel said. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Unto us is born this day the Savior. What's it mean for a child to be born to us, to be born to and for the whole world? We we might know what it means to say that Jesus died for us, that he died that our sins might be forgiven, but what's it mean to say that Jesus is born for us? Well, first, what's a birth mean at all? When it goes well, and it's important to remember that not all pregnancy and birth stories are happy ones, but when it goes well, a birth is a moment of staggering promise. 
It's the addition to the world of a new person, unique, never seen before and never going to be seen again. And of course, on one level, birth is nothing special. It's how you got here. It's how I got here. It's how all seven plus billion of us got here, after all. It's yawningly normal in one respect. But the ubiquity of it masks the marvel. Because in a very real sense, a new human being is the only possibility for genuine newness in the entire universe. What I mean by this is that nothing but a human being can truly surprise. The material of creation, minerals and gases and the like, they might startle. An avalanche falls, a, a, a geyser erupts, but none of these are ever going to surprise. They're just being what they are. And likewise, non-human life, animals and plants and bacteria, they're living out their internal coding. Animals, as the philosopher George Bataille writes, are imminent to their environment. A lion's going to lion. And a virus, as we've seen, is going to virus. But we have no idea what a human will do or be. Not just in the big life stuff, you know, the, put, the stuff that you put on your resume, but in the endless improvisation that is daily life. Our free will and our consciousness opens up endlessly new horizons of possibility. Already this day, you probably haven't been awake that long, and you've already done such extraordinary new things. You could have done something else, but you did what you did. We are surprising. So in one sense, a birth is a simple addition. It's humankind plus one. But in another, each birth is the addition of infinity to the world, because each of us is made in the image of God who created all things, which means we're little images of that creativity. The sentences a toddler speaks, they're, they're surprising. Entirely new compositions emerging from this totally new perspective on the world. Each one of us is infinitely creative and surprising all the time. But because we don't know any different, we mistake this constantly unfolding miracle with the ordinary. Of course, our newness doesn't mean we've got nothing in common. Our Genesis reading shows us that. Every snowflake is unique, but like us, they all fall we surprise in bad ways, too. We're surprisingly creative about the crafting of idols, of putting things ahead of God. That's a preoccupation of the prophet Isaiah. We're deft at coming up with new ways to hurt and to take advantage of one another. And that's the real tragedy of the human condition, cursed as it is by our bent towards sinning, as the famous hymn has it. Because our infinite creativity is the source of most everything that's wrong with us. But not Jesus. Jesus' birth, like every birth, is the addition of infinite possibility, infinite newness into the world. But unlike your birth and mine, the new possibility that Jesus' life opens up is the redemption and restoration of all things. The new possibility that Jesus brings into the world is a new world for you and for me. Unto us this day is born a Savior because this baby 
is God. God, born into the world for the world. The angel's message to the shepherds is so familiar that it's easy to lose the significance of what's said. Unto you is born a Savior who is Messiah the Lord. And that, that particular phrase, Messiah the Lord, it occurs nowhere else in the New Testament. Why is that so important? Why does the angel say that? Well, Messiah is the, uh, the, the Hebrew title of the Savior for the Jewish people that they were waiting for, translated in Greek, uh, Christos, which is where we get Christ. And Lord, that's the word used as the name of God in the Greek versions of the Jewish Scriptures. So what the angel, in effect, is saying is, unto you this day is born your Messiah, your Savior, who is God Himself. And if we stay in this moment, if we stay in this cold winter's night, then we don't know what this baby is going to do. Okay, pretend you, you don't know what his life's going to be like. You haven't read the rest of the gospel. You, you, you don't know what he's going to grow up and teach. And you don't know about the people that he's going to heal. And you don't know about the demons that he's going to cast out. You, you don't know that he's going to suffer and die. And you don't know that he's going to be raised again. And you don't know that he's going to ascend into heaven, that he will come again in glory. You don't know any of that. If you stay on this cold night, you just know that God has been given to us. Not as a heavenly warrior, not as a, a pillar of smoke and fire as in the Old Testament, but as a baby. God has been given to us as a baby, born in humility and poverty. And God born a baby will change everything for good. You see it in the Isaiah prophecy. This baby, he's the, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He's going to bring light into the darkness. He's going to increase the nation's joy. He will burn the clothing of warfare, and he will break the burden of oppression. The 2006 film, Children of Men, adapted loosely from the novel by P.D. James. I'm going to share my unpopular opinion and say it's one of those movies that's way better than the book. It depicts a near-future world facing a global fertility crisis. In the, in the story, no child has been conceived or born worldwide for 18 years, and as the movie begins, it's international news that the world's youngest person who's 18 years old has died in an accident. And as people gradually have realized that nothing new is coming, that what is now is all that ever will be, everything starts to fall apart. Because it turns out the world needs the constant infusion of surprise that children bring. As one character remarks, as the sound of the playgrounds faded, the despair set in. Very odd what happens in a world without children's voices. And against this backdrop in the authoritarian and xenophobic remains of the United Kingdom where the yoke of burden has come down hard as a bar on the people, a bureaucrat named Theo is drafted by an activist organization to smuggle a refugee named Key to the border. As they travel, pursued by shadowy forces, Theo discovers the unimaginable. Key is somehow miraculously pregnant, and she has to be helped out of the country where she's going to be cared for by the Human Project, an initiative to cure the fertility, the fertility crisis. Their travels eventually lead them to imprisonment in this hellish refugee camp. 
and violent rebellion overtakes the camp, and the military launches a counterattack. And in the middle of all that, Key delivers her baby, a girl, in a bombed-out building in the middle of a firefight, with mere hours remaining for her to make her rendezvous with the Human Project Courier. In the scene that follows, Key clutches her crying baby to her chest as Theo guides her out of the building. And as they walk, everything stops. Because the baby's cry is a sound that hasn't been heard on earth for 18 years. And it cuts through everything. Ragged groups of refugees turn in amazement. They reach out to the baby as if for a blessing. As stray bullets fly, Theo and Key encounter soldiers storming the building, charging up the stairs in full urban warfare armor. They point their guns and then lower them, stunned at the baby's cry, and they let the mother and child pass without interference. One soldier bursts upon them only to see the baby, and as shots ring out, he screams back at his men, cease fire, cease fire. And nobody's asking questions. Nobody's looking to explain it. They're just lost in the wonder of it. The baby's crying is itself the news of the birth. It's brazen. It's glorious as an angel. And as they go, as the word spreads, as the child announces herself, the fighting around them just comes to a halt. Utter silence takes hold as, as an entire unit of heavily armed men stare in wonder, lowering their weapons, parting to let them by. Every, every eye is fixed on the child, and there's peace. And then, just as Theo and Key and the baby pass the troops, a mortar hits the building behind them, and the soldiers suddenly pivot from the child to the explosion, and their weapons fly back up, and silent tongues start barking orders again, and the battle's rejoined. Because the soldier's attention has been ripped from the child back to the fighting, these grown-up children killing grown-up children. And Theo and Key make their escape with the baby, and the boots of warriors tramp again, and garments are rolled in new blood. Well, the baby is Key's baby, but she's born unto the world, unto the refugees and unto the soldiers, unto the powerless and the mighty alike. And her birth brings peace, just for a moment, to every tramping warrior and battle tumult, as Isaiah puts it. And all too soon, the war resumes. All too soon, the yoke of oppression drops again. And as the film ends, we don't know what the future holds. But for a moment's pause, a single beat, the child's birth has offered a vision of the future to a world that didn't think it had one anymore. The question to each one of us is, what are we going to do with this vision of a child born unto us? of darkness broken by the light of a child God born in a cowshed, of God hopelessly vulnerable, completely needy, crying in God's mother's arms. That's God right there, the infant Jesus. That's who God is. Yeah, it's astounding that the cross is coming. It is. 
that Jesus Christ, God incarnate, God in flesh, is going to lay down his human life for the sake of sinners. That's astounding. Mary, did you know? But, but long before the cross, it is astounding also that God will take up human life in the first place with all that that entails, with the, the surprise of a new human being shot through with the love of God for his creation. And he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Imagine it, a life of surprises, and each one is just pure goodness. Surprise after surprise after surprise, and each one is sheer love. I want you to think about this, this God born a baby, because this and nothing less than this is what Christianity has to offer. You will never hear another story like this. If it weren't true, it would be completely insane. Because of all the ways that we might respond to the world's darkness, to the world's oppression, to the world's sin, of all the schemes that we would come up with to deal with what we heard about in Genesis, a newborn baby would have to be dead last. The times we live in, they're not easy. This week hasn't been an easy week. It's easy to read the news and recognize the dominoes falling. See another lockdown looming, another season of isolation settling in. I've been paying attention to how people are responding in my personal interactions and what people are saying on social media, and I can see the edges of despair. Like, how can we do this again? How can I do this again? And I don't have an answer to that, I'm afraid. But if it's true, and it is true, that God has light at the end of the darkness and that the light is a newborn child, then it's no mystery what this season calls forth from us. It calls us to be more human with one another. And that's hard. Because the times they are hard, and hard times make hard people. Hard times hurt, and it makes sense to get your armor up, get your guard in place, let those calluses grow so that you don't have to feel it. And we've all got our strategies, we've all got our, our armor that we put on. Like, what's yours? I mean, the, it hasn't been an easy couple of years, and it's ground people down, and you can see the pressures. You can see them starting to emerge, and they're exacerbated by the holidays, aren't they? What's yours? Is it self-medication? Another drink? Or something else? Or consuming entertainment or information or something else? Like, do you withdraw? Is that, is that your armor? Do you withdraw? Do you shut down? You withhold love from people around you because sometimes it's just too tiring. Do you, do you get cynical? Is it your temptation to sort of be above it and laugh it off or imagine the worst of others? Do you store up grievances in a vault of unforgiveness, refusing others the grace that God offers all of us? To indulge yourself with your own anger. 
to imagine yourself to be better than other people, who, whoever those other people may be. We're seeing a lot of that these days. Or do you imagine yourself to be worse, to be not worth it? We've all got armor that we put on. But that's not what God does. And that's not what God's people are called to do. Because Jesus came into the world in hard times too, times, times far harder than this one. And he came with all the softness of a newborn. So what our times require of us are endlessly tender hearts of gentleness, of kindness. Scripture says, let your gentleness be known to all. The Lord is near. That's what the proximity of God ought to do to us. It ought to make us tender because that's how God comes. That's how God comes into the world as a child. And when we give God these hearts, that's how God wins. The Isaiah prophecy says His, his authority will increase and the peace will have no end. Well, how does that get accomplished? Not by some army, but by tender hearts, loving hearts. That's how His authority spreads. That's how His kingdom triumphs, by people who trust Him enough to be human with one another, no matter how much it might cost. God bless you all. Amen.